0: Father God, um, you're a good God, uh, such a good God. You've made yourself known to us um, in your word. Uh, please soften our hearts now um, by your spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who enables us to take in uh, beyond the, the black and white words on the page uh, to your word, your living, life-changing, transforming word. So we pray that you would um, cause your word to do what you intend to today as it's read, read and preached. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.
1: The reading this morning comes from 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. The old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them.
0: Good morning, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to read out some song lyrics really quickly. Uh, And if you have heard this song, I want you to shout out the name of the song and who it's written by, okay? Come on, people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right now. Put your hand up if you've heard that song. A few people, does anyone know what song it is? Anyone? Oh, guys, music knowledge, it's all right, it's all right. We'll learn together. Um, The song is called Get Together. Uh, It's a song that was recorded by uh, the band The Youngbloods in the 60s. Now, in recent years, this song, it continues to be a very popular song. I might just grab this down. Um, The reason being, firstly, it's it's quite a catchy song if you listen to it. Uh, But secondly, because it's a song that appeals um, for peace, a song that appeals for brotherhood, And talks about uh, choosing love and not fear for one another. It was a call in the turbulent time of the 60s America uh, to love and to not fear one another. To be united in peace and brotherhood. Love. A topic and a theme that continues to be just a favourite of movie makers, of songwriters, of authors, of teachers, of TV shows, of magazines, of advertising, of just about everyone. Everyone. And in the passage today, that is indeed the theme as well. Though, as we'll see, the kind of love uh, that John is talking about is vastly different to the kind of love that is expressed by the majority of views of those songs, of those movies. But before we jump into thinking through this together, why don't I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you are a loving God who speaks to us through his word. Thank you for this time now to come under your word together. And we pray that as we are reading through it, that you would grow us in our knowledge of what it looks like to live for you in this world, that we would respond in obedience and love for you, Lord. Amen. So John has written this letter, the letter of one John, to a church that is going through uh, quite a challenging time. The last time we opened this letter, we learnt about a rising belief system uh, that false teachers were bringing into the early church. Uh, these false teachings that uh, came into the church uh, were actually came from the early roots of something called Gnosticism. Now, Gnostic teachers would declare that they and they alone really walked closely with God and that only they really you know, knew God's thoughts that they had obtained some kind of secret knowledge about how to know God and how to please him. And this was a really big problem for the early church because these false teachers were saying that Jesus isn't who he says he is, that he isn't the son of God, that he was just a man who talked about God and who God worked through, who did some pretty amazing stuff, but he wasn't God. Now this meant that everything that the early church thought that they, uh, that they knew about God was actually thrown into turmoil and they were questioning everything. John writes into this context uh, to assure the church of their relationship with God. He says as much in 1 John chapter 5, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. John encourages his readers not to listen to the arguments of false teachers because they haven't seen what John has seen. They haven't heard what John has heard. In 1 John chapter 1, John himself testifies as an eyewitness that God came down into his creation, Jesus, the Son of God. John himself testifies that Jesus went to the cross and died in our place, so that we wouldn't have to. John testifies that it is through Jesus and Jesus alone that we can have a relationship with God and that we can know him. That is the assurance that we read of in chapter 1 last time. That those who believe in the name of the Son of God have life. And today as we dive into chapter 2, We gain further assurance and confidence of relationship with God as we reflect on what it means to be a church that lives out what we claim to know and believe about God, as we reflect on what it means to be a church that loves one another. See, according to John, if we are going to have a confident and assured relationship with God, we actually need each other's help in order to do so. Because the way that we act toward one another and and love one another, firstly shows that we know God and actually helps us to follow Jesus. Now, firstly, in verses 3 to 6, John addresses the assurance of knowing God by essentially saying, if you are a Christian, then live like it. If you are a Christian, then actually live like it. He writes from verse 3, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. In other words, John is saying, if you say you know God, live like it. And if you say that you know God but you don't live like it, well, you're actually living a lie. It's really quite simple when you boil it down. See, our actions will determine whether or not we actually do what we say we believe. And John, when he's writing these verses, he he has those false teachers in mind those people who say that, that they knew God but didn't at all live like it. It would be like uh, me kind of saying I'm on a diet that is, just consists purely of salad. Um, this is never something that I do, by the way. I'm on a diet that c- consists purely of salad, but, uh, but every Saturday uh, you see me uh, driving past Port Elliot Bakery and kind of, kind of stopping up the street and just reversing slowly back I pull over, I grab a nice big steak, bacon and cheese pie and a custard ballina, and I eat them right in front of you. I say that I'm on that diet, that I'm just eating salads but, you know, I'm talking the talk but I'm not walking the walk. I'm saying one thing and I'm doing another. But imagine something even bigger. Say, I claimed to know God that myself and only myself knew the way to God. But then imagine that someone else appears on the scene, someone who has actually met Jesus. He has spoken to them. And they say, I know what it means to know God, and it's not the way that you're living. You say you know God, but you live a life that very obviously doesn't take him into account at all. See, this is the situation that the church is in that John is writing to. He's saying, if you know God, you will live like it. You will seek to live like Jesus lived. And this is where verses 7 to 8 really comes in. John writes from verse 7, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Now, the, the question that comes to mind here is pretty obvious, right? I mean, what on earth is this command that he's talking about? It's pretty confusing, that sentence, isn't it? It's, it's, it's like a new command, but it's also an old command. How does that really work? Well, the command is the command to love one another. It's an old command in that this is a command that is traced back to uh, the book of Leviticus, in chapter 19, where God says, love your neighbour as yourself. So it's an old command, but it's a new command in that Jesus himself in John's Gospel fleshes out what that means and then actually goes on to show us through his actions, what that means. Jesus says in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Throughout the letter of 1 John, this theme of love, it it comes up again and again and again because it's such an important thing to grasp. Because what John writes in 1 John is that if you don't love you don't know God. In chapter 4, John writes, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What is this love that Jesus is talking about? Well, it's the love that was ultimately displayed on the cross by him, as Jesus paid the penalty that we deserved to pay, but now never have to. How has he shown this love for us? He died the death that we deserve to die. Actually, the Bible tells us that he died for us when we were considered enemies of God. Jesus loved us when we were unlovable. His love is entirely self-sacrificial, and it asks for nothing in return. It is entirely focused on the other, and is a love that he pours out unceasingly on us. It's a love that he does not ask us to earn. Now, I read out the lyrics of that song, Get Together by the Young Bloods, at the beginning. And when you think about it, so many songs that we listen to uh, do reflect on love and call for love to be something that's shared in, but the thing that is usually there that's just hovering in the background is the reason that people want to share and receive love. It's always a reason. In that song, it's so that the world can be a better place, so that everyone can benefit from it, which is a really good thing when you think about it. But it's still focused on a result-driven love that means you benefit. In other songs, the idea of love as reflected in a relationship is always, I love you because you're beautiful, because you make me feel good, because you make me happy. There's always uh, this condition or reason for wanting to give love or to receive it. In some way, you expect to earn it back. And what separates the love that Jesus has for us from this kind of like, this understanding of love that our culture has is that the love Jesus shows us isn't something that is offered up in order to receive something back. The kind of love that Jesus shows us is a deep, deep affection and is an action. It's the pouring out of yourself for the sole benefit of someone else without expecting anything in return. Seeking the best for someone else even when it doesn't actually benefit you. See, this is how God has loved us. And that is how he teaches us to love as well. Now, John is writing this to the church as a way of actually assuring them of something, of their relationship with God, of the fact that they do know God. He writes in verse 8, Yet I am writing you a new command. His truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. John is saying that the same love he sees in Jesus and which Jesus commands of us he actually sees already in the church that he is writing to. And oh, what an amazing thing for that church to have, to have heard in the midst of all their uncertainty. To be told that John can actually see that they're seeking to live like Jesus, to love how he teaches. Now, note that he, he doesn't say that they are perfect or sinless. If you remember reading through uh, chapter 1, that tells us that everyone gets it wrong with God. But that God is merciful. And we have forgiveness through Jesus. It's a great assurance and a great image that John is bringing to mind. Because it's the image of a group of people receiving and responding to the incredible love of Jesus. The darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. The image that comes to mind is that of a sunrise. I love uh, watching the sunrise in the morning. Watching as the sunlight kind of just bursts out and the darkness recedes. Of the beautiful colours that stand in the sky that you can sit there and look at. The love that Jesus has shown for the people in the church that John writes to... The love that burst forth from the cross into their lives is reflected in them as they love each other. And John equates it with the shining light of Jesus, which can never be dimmed. It's a really beautiful sunrise to behold. So, what we see here that John is saying is that love is so central and so important to the life of a community of Christians. Because the way we act towards one another shows whether or not we are walking the walk or if we're just talking the talk. And that is what verses 9 to 11 really brings out for us. See, John is saying here to the false teachers of the day, You say you know God, let me see it in your actions. Because you don't obey God, you don't love Him, you don't love others. They can't say that they truly know and are connected to God because they don't love. Actually, they were ushering people into darkness, into blindness and fear. They seek to drive them away from God with the lies that they've convinced themselves of. But for us here today, we don't believe what those false teachers were seeking to teach that church, do we? But we have to be so, so careful that we hold to the truth of the gospel and only the gospel. That it is Jesus and Jesus alone that saves. And through Jesus and Jesus alone that we can know God and have assurance that we are in a relationship with Him. And if we can say that we are in a relationship with God, well, we will live like it. And that's what John is saying. In verse 6, don't just say you know God, live like you know him. And this seriously impacts how we act toward one another, how we act towards anyone actually who walks through the doors of our church. If we are going to remain confident of our relationship with God, as a church, let's spur one another on in that relationship by serving each other and loving one another. John writes in verses 9 to 11, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. The imagery of light and dark that John uses throughout these chapters Really contrasts what is of God and what is not of God. See, on the one hand, we have light, which is of God. It's pure, it's holy, it's good. And on the other hand, have the darkness, which is rejection of good, and the opposite of, good, of God. It's chaotic, it's hateful, it's lonely. John is saying, if you say that you are in the light as Christ is in the light, act like it. Seek to love one another as Jesus has loved you. Otherwise, you run the risk of stumbling in and around the darkness. Now, without making it too obvious to the people around you, will not you just have a quick kind of look to the left and right. Don't make it too awkward. Don't make eye contact, maybe, with the people around you. But these, these people that you see sitting around you, they are here for you to love. To love as Jesus has loved you. And yes, that includes the person you may find it hard to speak to. It does include the person that might just, you know, grate on you a little bit when you talk to them. It means loving each other even when we find it hard. See, what John is saying should be evident in any church that is truly a church that is in Christ, is that you are not just called to love the people that it is easy to love. We are called to love every single brother and sister who is part of this church and who walks through those doors. And it can be a challenge, but this is the love that Jesus selflessly gave us. And it drives our love for God as we accept that love and drives our love for each other. It's actually something that makes us want to live for him, having known how good and incredible our God is who loves us. Now, if you are here today and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus, I hope that you have heard something of what it means that Jesus has loved you and what it means that you can have a relationship with God. See, he has gone to the most extraordinary lengths to make it possible for you to know him, and if you'd like to find out more about what this means and about this relationship, well, please don't just leave those questions in your mind. You can let us know through a communication card, come and chat to me or to Steve or Duncan or Miriam or the person you came with, anyone. Just don't leave those questions hanging there because this is actually the most important thing you will ever think through in your life. Lover, I've been part of this church for a few months now, and over that time, I want you all to know that I have felt your love. I have seen it in action for other people, and I want to encourage you to continue in this. Grow in your love for each other as Jesus has loved you. Let Trinity Church Victor Harbour be a beautiful sunrise that is clearly seen as reflecting the amazing love that Jesus has shown us. An illustration I heard recently uh, stood out to me as I was preparing for this morning. A picture in your mind uh, a nice warm fireplace and you're sitting there in that fireplace is a red hot little ember that is just radiating heat and light. Now you grab the tongs next to the fireplace and you pick it up, you place it out onto the ground before it, where it's not touching any of the other embers and where the fire is not touching it. Gradually you watch as it, its glow slowly fades, as its heat slowly disappears, as it becomes just a dull black piece of burnt wood. When as a church we do not respond to the command to love, this is the danger that we actually face to just become individual, dull, faint, cold embers. Who run the risk of stumbling and falling into the trap of sin because we are not leading each other away from it. Who will perhaps begin to foster bitterness and rivalry that leads to division. Who could be distracted from seeking to live lives as Jesus lives because all well, the details of our own lives and the idols that so easily pop up and consume our hearts, occupy our attention. But when we love in response to God's amazing love for us, we are a bonfire that's just screaming at the top of its lungs, proclaiming God and his love and sharing in that amazing love together. It's seeking to serve others in church because you love them keeping an eye out for the sad, for the hurt, and caring them because you love them. It's loving the person you struggle to speak to or the person who gets on your nerves, not because you're getting anything in return, but because you seek to love as Jesus loves you. It's seeking to love one another especially by spurring one another on to live like Jesus and to love him before all else in this life. Because how much harder would it be for someone to lose that confidence if they are constantly reminded of the life-changing, life-giving love of God and the actions of those around them? How they will grow under his love and through the love and the care of the family around them. So let's be that for one another. Let's live in obedience to him, having received that incredible blessing of relationship and life and love from our Father in heaven. So what might it look like for you today to love your brothers and sisters in Christ? What might it look like tomorrow, during the week? How will you seek to love as Christ has loved you? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, for the amazing love that you have shown us when we did nothing at all to deserve it and everything to reject it. Please help us to reflect your sacrificial love for us in our relationships with one another. Help us to seek lives that bring you glory and live for Jesus. Please shape us to be more and more like your Son as we live in obedience to you, to your glory. Amen.